Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Anne's Annotations. So today I am going to talk about this book called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Yes, it is a mouthful and it is by Olga Tokarczuk. I hope I'm not butchering this name horribly. And it is about how we can read it essentially through the literary criticism of eco-criticism and you know how this novel portrays nature and our relationships with the natural environment. I came across this novel as I was trying to decide what to use my gift card on and it, I was captivated by the cover. I know, quite a shallow reason but reading it, it certainly has a refreshing style that I found it to be very enjoyable. However, it is a lot sometimes, so if you are reading it, do take it slowly. So, um, in order to do that, I will briefly explain what eco-criticism is and its aim within the literature. Then I will talk to you about elements from this novel that corresponds to this and the questions it raises. So, eco-criticism. What is it? This is a rather new established literary criticism that focuses on how nature is depicted in literature and what it suggests about our views and the people of the time, what their views are on the fauna and flora. This tradition has become more and more prominent as the issues of climate change becomes more urgent and alarming. Since this is based on the literary theory that literature has a lot of influence on views and how things are depending on how things are portrayed, it is critical to see whether or not our disregard of nature is reflected in our literature. So the summary of the story, so based on the blurb for this novel with Drive Your Plow or The Bones of the Dead, Man Booker International Prize winner Olga Takarczuk returns with a subversive entertaining noir novel. In a remote Polish village, Janina, I'm going to try and pronounce the last name, um, an eccentric woman in her 60s recounts the events surrounding the disappearance of her two dogs. She is reclusive, preferring the company of animals to people. She's unconventional, believing in the stars, and she is fond of the poetry of William Blake, from whose work the title of the book is taken. When members of a local hunting club are found murdered, Yanina becomes involved in the investigation. By no means a conventional crime story, this existential thriller is, quote, one of Europe's major humanist writers, The Guardian, offers thought-provoking ideas on our perceptions of madness, injustice against marginalized people, animal rights, the hypocrisy of traditional religion, belief in predestination, and caused a general political uproar in Tokar native Poland. So yeah, 
So it is a rather crime novel, but at the same time, it's a novel about a bunch of other things. And spoiler alert here, my later discussion will involve a bit of the end. So please, if you want to read it, read before you listen to this podcast, if you don't want to be spoiled. So, with some literature, we can infer the narrator's position with nature through the description or lack thereof. But in this novel, though some descriptive passages do highlight the beauty of nature, the novel also presents a warning against our human attempts to impose order upon other living creatures. This is mainly illustrated through the theme of hunting. As implied in the blurb, all the men who are found dead are members of the local hunting club, and our protagonist, Yanina, upon learning this, comes up with what she calls her, quote, theory, with a capital T, in which she claims that this murder is proof of the, quote, animals, again with a capital A, exacting revenge on the hunters who have been poaching illegally. Quote, and it had freed other living creatures from him. Oh, yes. Suddenly, I realized what a good thing death can be. How just and fair, like disinfectant or a vacuum cleaner. End quote. Here, the comparison between the death of one of the hunters like a disinfectant clearly underlines her position. She is with the animals. The active tense it had freed emphasizes the role of death even more. As a result, hunters are clearly depicted as the villain here, unlike other traditions where wild animals are portrayed as the danger. Therefore, it begins to raise questions about our relationships with animals, especially in more traditional rural areas. And in a way, I can't help but think about the way some people have compared this, um, our current situation to that, which in a way makes the warning in the novel seem even more pertinent. Moreover, as our protagonist suggests, quote, nobody had protested, no thunderbolt had struck, and yet punishment had come upon the devil, though no one's hand has guided death, end quote. This shows that there are inevitable consequences to our huntings, and not just our literal huntings, but our arrogant philosophy of being the top. Natural justice will get us. The capitalization of the noun punishment gives it a sense of authority and something outside of the human realm, almost like religious sentences. Its grand presence juxtaposes with the image evoked in previous sentence of nobody had protested, which makes the punishment even more sinister as it thus suggests that it sneaks up on you. All in all, through these examples, it suggests that nature will in the end take revenge upon us for our hubris and our arrogance. As it it is put by Yanina, Quote, in a pulpit, man places himself above other creatures and grants himself the right to their life and death. He becomes a tyrant and a usurper. Quote. And that usage of the word tyrant and usurper again reinforces, in a way, 
um, our own fault and our own demise, and um, again, slightly emphasizing the um, the unrighteousness of humanity. Now she said this as she watches um, a father preaching for the celebration of hunting season, which I get that is a criticism. I guess about orthodox religion. Now, I am now going to talk about something which I think is rather interesting. That is the gothic body, not just about the human body, but also nature body, if you know what I mean. And through looking at this way, I think it brings closer the idea of a symbiotic relationship between the human world and nature. Therefore, it makes the warning more insidious because by disrespecting nature and other quote creatures, we are disrespecting ourselves. So an example of this is the similar effect created through these two descriptions. Quote, and this is um the one when she is at a fox farm. So quote, the sun was dazzling bright. Each blade of grass cast a sharp shadow. Each branch resembled a skewer. It was silent as the grave. In a year or two, it would vanish among the greenery, at best becoming a house of horror. It crossed my mind that one could set a mu- up a museum here, as a warning. End quote. The metaphor of blade of grass cast a sharp shadow subverts the rather typical pastoral picture of nature, where things are often described as soft, uh, but this is subverted into lethal imageries. The smile of each branch resembled a skewer has a, an uncanny quality to it, provoking a rather uncomfortable feeling of something being off and menacing. Similarly, at the beginning of the novel, when Yanina f- um, finds the first body, this is what it is described. Quote, he was lying twisted in a bizarre position, with his hands to his neck, as if struggling to pull off a collar that was pinching him. His dirty vest was ripped at the throat. It looked as if the body had turned on itself, lost a fight, and been killed. End quote. The imagery is rendered morbid and uncanny, with adjectives like bizarre and twisted. And again, the thing that we often portray as benign or under our control, it's subverted with, it looked as if the body had turned on itself. I mean, imagine your body turning against yourself. What furthered this is the uncanny... um, through the eerie separation between the mind and the body that is evoked later on in the capitalization of person on the same page. Quote, As I looked for Bigfoot's poor twisted body, I found it hard to believe that only yesterday I'd been afraid of this person. End quote. Although this idea of the Gothic body in nature is perhaps something new, nature and the Gothic is nothing new is anything but new um ever since the 18th century romantics nature has been a big feature of the romantic gothics 
as seen in Bronte's Wuthering Heights, Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher, especially through its usage of pathetic fallacies, which, um, looking through the lens of eco-criticism, can be seen as evidence of the symbiotic relationship between mankind and the environment, almost harmonious, but in a rather sinister light. And this is thanks to Burke's philosophy of the sublime, which is essentially about this overwhelming sensation that could be beautiful, but in the Gothic tradition is a source of terror because of the heightened emotion that it provokes. Quote, what is important for Burke is that the sublime remains outside of the human being. It is situated in nature. End quote. If so, then, actually these pathetic fallacies can be literary devices through which this, it shows the spiritual power of nature and its influence on our psychology, which again goes to show why we shouldn't mess with nature. Finally, there is one detail I do find rather interesting um, in this novel, and this will involve spoilers, so please be aware if you, you want to check and read the novel first. Anyway, as it turns out, right, our protagonist Yanina claims that she is the tool, quote, a tool, for animals. She is a tool by which the animals and nature takes their revenge. It was through her that um, these animals murdered the members of the hunting club. Essentially, a 60-year-old woman has been going around murdering people. Yes. Anyway, before this revelation, it is theorized that the hunters themselves were killed by... Sorry, that these hunters were killed by the animals themselves, which actually would make the whole revenge and punishment thing more interesting for me, at least. Instead, these animals weren't the perpetrators. This somewhat suggests, again, that ultimately human controls humans, and that animals' realm can't really penetrate the human realm. Therefore, they require a sort of human mediator, this twist actually makes the story lose a bit of its promising element. Uh, you know, just of a eerie story of, of animal revenge on human hunters, for me at least. And yeah, for me, it that revelation is what I dislike a bit about the ending. I mean, it's interesting when I was reading it, but as I was thinking about the whole message behind, um, especially from Yanina, who is who keeps talking about how human um, are cruel and how animals are very smart, etc. But the fact that she is the one who kills slightly undermines that. But I think for me, it would have been more creepy, creepier, and more far more interesting in a way by subtly suggesting that it was actually the animals who sort of consciously seeking out revenge. Um, and yeah, so that is how, I guess you could, my review a bit of the novel Drive Your Plow and a bit about how it represents our relationship with nature and in a way, or and vice versa.
and um, it's definitely interesting. You know, there are certain, there are few passages where she is really, the protagonist really is just um, embracing nature, and there's this whole character also of Boros who. Um, I can't remember the specific noun, but he's he specializes in insects, and again, it delves a lot into the fact that we humans sometimes are a bit too arrogant in the sense that we think we're the top of everything. I mean, we are, you know, very capable, but at the same time, it doesn't mean we should be arrogant and place ourselves on top of things, and um, because. They, especially through the activity of hunting, it is as if it's allegorically showing that humans are the um, the, the the person, the thing to impose order. You know, they we kill things, we distribute things, we move things, we control nature. But I guess what these with the animals, I think it was trying to go. with the message of you know actually nature controls us and i think with the pathetic fallacies you can kind of see that but for me again it sort of loses it when it turns out she's the one who kills these hunters not the animals um but yeah the writing is beautiful as you might have you could have um guessed a bit from the snippets that i've read with the quotes and actually, there's one more thing I would like to just talk about quickly. Have you guys watched His House on Netflix? Because that movie, oh my, it's it's really good. And it's it's supposed to be a horror movies. And there are a few, you know, quite eerie scenes. But I think what makes it for me with that movie is that how sad it is. It's quite a tragic story. And I think it, it's another one... For me, it's more of a gothic movie. In um, in the sense that it's much more about the, the psychological terror. Which again, through the medium of movies, sometimes it's manifested through visuals. Um, so like you can actually see ghosts and br- certain brutality, but um, lots of imageries, and yeah would highly recommend you guys checking that movie out as well and this novel both of them are quite interesting and i think relevant as well you know with these and its animal rights and um environmental issues and his house does have this socio-political message of how um western countries especially britain since that's um, that's where the movie is taking place in, but how Britain just sort of um, treats immigrants, and we sometimes disregard their psychological horrors that they've they've, they've went through in traveling to here. So yeah. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this little episode, and if you guys have any comments, um. Do text me, do DM me through Instagram, etc. And yeah, I hope you guys have had a lovely Christmas. 
and I wish you all a happy new year.